Hello, and welcome to Who Knew, a Doctor Who podcast. I am your host, Josh Carr, as always, and I've got a wonderful guest with me today. It is the one and only Crystal D. How are you? Hello. How are you? This is fantastic. This is like, I'm actually talking to a human being that is another human it's it's mad (laughs) isn't it it's it's such a a a fascinating concept at the moment um yeah it's 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 really exciting to to talk to someone else that's it's the only reason why i started this podcast is just because if not i'm just going to go insane in this in this house in this whatever lockdown we're in now who knows um but let, I mean, let's get straight in, if if that's okay with you, because um, I'm very very excited and we've got a lot to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. So first off, I mean, obviously we're here to talk about Doctor Who. For anyone who's who's listening at home, Are we? who wasn't Are aware, we? yeah, this oh, this program. <laughs> well, let me educate. It started. Way back at now, I'm not going to do that. Um, so, Doctor Who, obviously, I, I think everyone knows it's a, a big part of your life. Uh, but going back to the very beginning, where we always start, where, where did it start for you? When did you become a Whovian, if if you'll pardon the phrase? <laughs> a mad fan. Um, yeah. yeah, so my my... First exposure to Doctor Who was back in um, 2005. Um, And my first episode was The Empty Child. And I had no idea what Doctor Who was at the time. And I found it by accident, just like flicking through television channels, looking for something to watch. Mm -hmm. And I I just got completely hooked. And I, I felt at the time, I was 12, and it really freaked me out. And I almost felt like this is... This is definitely a step up from the stuff I I had been watching on like Cartoon Network and CBBC. Like it was, yeah. It was. It felt a bit like adult, and I was like, "Hmm, this is really scary." Like maybe, maybe this is like maybe I should be watching this. And then, uh, but I had to know. I I just felt like I had to know everything about it. And then the credits rolled, and it said it was Doctor Who, and I thought, "I Doctor Who." Like I've heard of that before, but isn't that that old thing? Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, from then on, it was just like every, I, I looked out for Doctor Who, like whether it was like in the TV guide or like in the shops, like I started buying mm-hmm. Doctor Who magazine. I started getting the DVDs and it kind of had this this snowball effect. And then, of course, yeah. David Tennant um, becoming the Doctor, that completely sold me 100, 110%. And I was I was lost to the world of Doctor Who yeah, after that point. I can imagine. So I, I'm making the assumption that you'd probably class David as your doctor because obviously you, yeah you came you came quite late into the Chris era didn't you um mm-hmm. so David's probably your your first, like your first regeneration and everything your first like start of a series um but the empty Ch- the empty child is a great first episode that's a mm-hmm. that's a that's mm-hmm. a really good one that you can say like a, a lot of people who've come on here it's rose everyone it's just like like yeah, it is with me yeah. it's rose um we, and then you get a few people who are 
I've watched some weird classic episodes, but the, the Empty Child, stone cold classic for me. Um, yeah. So that's that's a great one. That it's is a... just that that image of Mister Constantine and oh the gas mask, God. just like his face just becoming a gas mask. Like uh, that that is that's an image I couldn't get yeah, out of my head ta- for weeks yeah. and months. Like it just. It was absolutely horrifying. It was terrifying, wasn't it? It, it was absolute. <laughs> that's something that it's been a bit of a recurring theme over the past couple of episodes, because um, we've had we, we've spoken a lot about auton-induced nightmares. The autons seem mm. to be one that 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 cause a lot of nightmares. Like Billy Garrett John a couple of yeah. episodes ago had a had a recurring nightmare where an auton would walk up his stairs and murder his mm. parents, which is horrifying that's horrific yeah got a classic <laughs> auton as well boiler yeah. suit and everything that's yeah. that's grim it's, it's very grim um so like you said it's snowballed david tennant comes in and mm-hmm. obviously i mean for everyone it just goes mega so not really not long after that you then start getting involved probably i assume it was probably near it was around about the mid Matt Smith era. Is that where whenabouts did the fan show start? Obviously that's where a lot of people will know you from in, in the Doctor Who community. Yeah, so yeah. So um so actually in between becoming a mega fan and starting on the fan show, mm-hmm. I was part of Five Who fans. Yeah. Um and actually before Five Who fans, I was making videos on my own personal YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, being a me- mega geek, I was going to conventions and cosplaying and doing all that kind yeah. of stuff. And I was documenting it all on YouTube and um, doing interviews. And it caught it caught the attention of uh, Richard B. Brooks on uh, Five Who fans. And um, eventually when when it came to recruiting for a new member... I was approached and in 2014 they asked me if I'd like to join the team. So mm-hmm. that was, so that, that actually being part of five who fans really is the thing that got me spotted by the BBC. Cause, um, because when they were developing the show and piloting the show and they were looking for um, a fan to host it, they mm-hmm. came across my YouTube channel and they invited me to audition and do a screen test and that kind of thing. Um, and that's, that's when that started. And it actually, uh, so the, so the fan show, um, that was 2015. So it was just after series eight and they were initially yeah. going to launch the fan show with Peter's first series, but they mm-hmm. wanted, they decided against it because they wanted to just focus on launching Peter's doctor and they were doing the world tour and it was a you know massive undertaking. Yeah, so they just thought, yeah. let's part that idea for now. Let's launch Peter and give him a, a, a you know, a successful first se- season and, 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 and give him a, you know, fantastic world tour. And then we'll think about the fan show yeah. afterwards. So, and that's why it, it, it happened in 2015. Um, and then, um, and then, yeah. And then, um, obviously, um, got the job and I, I also became the show's researcher. So, um, so it was a full-time job and I was working with Chris Allen to, um, develop ideas for episodes and mm-hmm. write scripts and edit episodes and, um, source contributors and yeah. kind of basically it was a it was a three three person team so me chris and a guy called george shankster who he was our dop and he did all the kind of storyboarding and mm-hmm. kind of the 
help with the editing and stuff like that and all, all that brilliant at lighting that's like one yeah. one area that um I'm, I'm i'm not so good at is is it's actually all the kind of dop stuff so mm-hmm. um yeah well i mean that's cool that must have been quite the experience obviously to go from being a youtuber and uh, like so the, the the contact from the bbc did that sort of just come out of nowhere like the invitation to audition because that Pretty that must much. have been a a, a mad it's, email yeah, or it's it's a funny it's, it's a funny yeah it's actually it's a funny story because um uh it was it was very well timed because i had i'd spent a year and a bit working at a uh, production company across the road from bbc studios right, okay. um, literally the building opposite yeah and um my contract had ended but i was on a kind of rolling contract and i was kind of deciding what i wanted to do and i was deciding about you know what 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 my career next move was going to be next basically mm-hmm. and I, I thought well i could stay or you know actually i i i'd be really keen to to move on and, and get something else um so i was actively looking for for new opportunities and um the email just i literally just got an email mm-hmm. like and and it was really funny. It just coincided with me like wanting to leave that job. Yeah. Then I got this email from Chris, um, and I I didn't want to let on to the to the um, to my boss slash bosses at that oh, job. Oh yeah, so always I, an awkward I, I one, just, isn't you know, it? Just, just nipping over the road for a sandwich, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I could go and um, do my my audition. I had actually I had a I think I had one meeting with Chris, and then I I came back after work. Um, uh, to to actually do the screen test and that that tape exists somewhere um yeah so uh, well, yeah. that's that's a it's it's one of those it's you, know, you always get these stories where the stars just align perfectly um and then obviously so then you it all like I said, again snowballs from there and the fan show starts and what what an experience that must have been just the you know the the few years that you were doing that because I was you know in the build up to this I've I've gone back I've, I mean I've seen those videos so many times we all have everyone who's watching this you know we used to I used to live off those videos um but like I went back and watched some of the older ones and it it's very hard to prepare to interview you because there's so much that I want to talk about that you have done like you've done some amazing things like literally like every aspect of the show and then you've got even things like Big Finish and all of that and the comics you've touched like you've you've had your fingers in all of the pies yeah my fingers in many pies many pies (laughs) um I mean it, it must have been I mean, again, because it's it's a bit like um, I had Jimmy Mann on last week, who mm. worked for for Millennium Effects, and obviously he was a massive fan growing up, and then mm. got to work on the show during during the Capaldi era as well, and I was talking to him about that you know separating the fan from the work because at the end of the day yeah, it's yeah. your job and but you are living those childhood fantasies mm. that that we all have like sitting down with the doctor or sitting down with you know the you know and getting monster makeup put on you that like stuff like that 
that's the the kind of stuff that we all dreamed of. W- was that difficult to separate for you? Was it was it hard to um, keep a bit of a because mm. I mean with the fan show, obviously you are there to be a fan and and you, I suppose you have that capacity to mm. fangirl a bit um, and and go a bit yeah a bit more loose I, I, with I'm, it. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad that you've asked this because um, I think it's it's uh, it's obviously been. At the time, when I first got the job, it you know it has it has been both a dream job, mm-hmm. but also something that I I have struggled with, mm-hmm. um, and and I can only really say that now in hindsight. And um, when I first started the job, and I I have to remember I was actually quite young. I was twenty two, and yeah. um, I was fresh out of uni. I mean, I'm going to be thirty next year. Like that's that's nuts. Like it was actually mm-hmm. quite a long time ago. Yeah, and um, and I, you know, I went from being a fan to being basically um, put in front of uh, thousands of fans, and and suddenly became this like I don't want to say face of the show because no, you you were Do- Do- yeah. Doctor Who you... Doctor Who Doctor Who is the face of the show, but but another kind of mini miniature version of that. And, yeah, you you were um, you were. I'd I mean, say like you're a figurehead yeah. for the fans. You were you were the face of the fans. Yeah. Um, which and, is still and, a big that, responsibility. That, yeah, and 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 that was a bit terrifying. And I never mm. really liked being out there th- that much. And um, and so so there was this this cross between it be so it's it's very multifaceted. So mm. so one of one of the things that um, one of the reasons why they wanted to hire a fan is because a renter presenter wouldn't be able to show the same level of ex- le- level of excitement yeah talking to so- peter cloudy about i don't know something really niche um like i don't know crotons or just like, like yeah. you know what i mean like just something yeah, like, no, no, really, no, like yeah. super super niche and and so so that so that so you know the reactions that i i have to stuff and the the curiosity is is genuine um the problem is, is, is I think after I noticed this after a while, is I got a little bit too close to the show to enjoy it in the same way, mm. and 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 that's there's there's multiple aspects to that. So there's the kind of <clears throat> so there's a kind of like finding out about episodes beforehand, mm. like yeah. reading, you know, having to brush up on you know, read, see the episodes or read the scripts to prepare for the after shows and things like that. Mm. Um, which you might, you might be like, oh, wow, you get to see it early. But actually, it's so much more fun when you can watch it with everyone yeah, else. Because I, you've got nobody to share it with. I and know you, exactly you want that. what you mean. You want to be able to yeah. live tweet and react and <laughs> whatever it is, you know, in, the, in, in real time. Um, the other thing is as well is it, it ruins the magic in as much as like any other job, there there are there are fun things and there are not so fun things mm. and there's office politics and without going into too much detail doctor who is a big machine there are a lot of people that work on it and and the bbc are governed by uh brand guidelines editorial guidelines there's a limit in terms of what you can do and you also need to make sure that the content is is 
you know, you're, you're trying to you're trying to tailor it for an audience and you're trying to meet your brand objectives because it's a business at the yeah, end of the day. Yeah, of course, yeah. And so, and so as much as you would, you know, want to do, as much as I would want to do 10 episodes on cosplay, it's not going to happen mm-hmm. because... Does that make sense? And there, and and so yeah, and you get you get freedom... that added pressure with the BBC as well. Uh, is like yeah. if it, so, if it so... was with Channel Four or someone like that, you'd probably get a little bit more freedom. You but could probably be a bit more edgy because or whatever. It's ta- yeah, taxpayer funded and it has to represent mm. the whole country. It you know yeah. well, something with that BBC BBC um BBC just 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 to just just cut in there just yeah, so, just so listeners of the podcast no because there, there is a bit of a confusion about this um, mm. BBC Studios is is an, is not taxpayer funded it's, um, oh, isn't it's it? a commercial company right that's okay. why it's called yeah so it used to be BBC worldwide but basically they're they're actually a commercial company um so right, okay so it, the, so the so the so the money comes from um format sales live events DVDs merchandise Right. Okay. That sort of thing. Um, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. No, so, that's interesting. I didn't. I wasn't. And, I wasn't and so, aware and of so, that. So yeah. And so obviously, people who don't like the fan show are like, "Oh, I don't want to pay taxpayers money for these." Yeah. It's like, well, you're not. Your DVDs are paying for this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I just wanted to, um, to, to, to sort of um, give some clarity to that. But yeah. Um, Anyway, no, I sound I sound all doom and gloom, but I think what I just want to get across is that um, uh, the, so the freedom that you you might have on a on a personal YouTube channel or a channel like Five Who fans, it, it, it's not the same when you're when you're making content for the BBC. So so after a point, it can feel as though you're a little bit trapped in terms of your creativity. And actually, mm. we pushed the boundaries at the BBC because people were at the beginning. It was something new. Yeah. And um people were reluctant. There was a few there was lots of ideas that didn't make it because because of, of, of the risk. Um what what risk? Well you ask me. I mean I you know, it's I think it's just doing something new and being as you know, being the BBC is 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 is, is seen as a risk. But mm-hmm. it paved the way for lots of original content, digital con- content on, on some of the other BBC brands. Um yeah just us like proving that we could do it and we evolved we we evolved to the stage where we could we could have done a live after show right right away we almost had to kind of earn it yeah but we were able to show that there was there there was an audience and 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 we were able to prove that we could churn out an episode a week and we were able to go back to the bosses at BBC and say, "Can we do a live after show, please?" And and at that point, after two seasons, it was a lot easier to 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 get permission to do that. But anyway, so I've I've kind of deviated from your your original question. But the separating, fat yeah, fandom from kind of work it's it's not it's not easy. Mm. Um, I think what what I will say just to summarize is is in in I think when I when I had my presenter hat on, I was very much kind of crystal the fan. And I think kind of more behind the scenes, I was kind of crystal the the assistant producer or yeah. whatever, researcher, or whatever it was I was doing at the time. Um, yeah, of course. Which makes sense. Yeah. It definitely, it definitely yeah, makes sense. Yeah. And everything that you've said there, like, obviously, I know you said, like, it's doom and gloom, but it, it, if that's your like it's your honest experience of it <laughs> well, it's um not, i think it's, it's not yeah, like doom and gloom just, obviously just... i know that, that there's obviously i imagine a lot of positives as well 
But it's really interesting oh, to hear hear absolutely. that side of it as well because it makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. Like the 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 pressure of it from because we all know what the the mm-hmm. fandom can be like at times. Well, it, it is there's pressure from within and there's pressure from yeah. outside. There's pressure of from course. within the BBC and there's pressure from from um, the fans as well. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of. And I think the only reason why I've said all this is just because just to give people a bit more of a realistic idea of what it is actually like, mm. because I think some of the kind of envy and some of the um, kind of uh, criticism is is that I'm gallivanting around meeting doctors, yeah, and being paid to do it, which actually okay to a certain extent, like you you could say, oh well, you know, actually that was what you're hired to do, and it's it's like well. It, that's that was ten percent of my job, not even that. True. Like, yeah. The rest of the time I was in the office. Mm-hmm. Four days a week I was in the office, working, answering emails, going to meetings, um, uh, strategizing, budgeting, developing ideas. Mm-hmm. One day a week I'd go, I'd go, and do some filming. Um, so, so, so it's kind of just yeah. So, it's, so, so it's it is obviously. Like I cannot even there's the word there's not enough words to kind of give it justice. Like as a fan, how amazing yeah of an opportunity it was to do that. Mm-hmm. Like just absolutely insane. And I'm you know to this day I'm it it, it yeah I have some very it was a very special time time in my life and I have lots and lots of fun memories and and lots of friends close friends that I you know from that time. Mm-hmm. Um. But but I think also it's, I think it's important that people know that the the, the realities of it and, and of course and, and that yeah it is it, it, it is also a job as yeah well. yeah of course um, and it it comes with those hardships mm. that that any other any other job comes with um which which is is definitely a, a a great thing to to portray with it like I I completely understand your your side of things there um. So like like I said, obviously you, you touched on it there. Like the, how obviously it comes across how grateful you are, and how incredible those experiences were. Um, what what were some of those pinch yourself moments? I imagine there was a there was a couple mm. um, of, many, of pinch yourself many, moments. Many. Yeah, what what kind of moments did you have <laughs> that were that that stick out in your oh, mind like that? The the main one one of the first ones was um going to san diego comic con and meeting peter capaldi for the first time yeah and and not only did i get to go to san diego comic con which was like a a dream like a dream of mine oh um, yeah you know ever since i started going to like conventions here Mm -hmm. when i was like 14 so san diego is like the creme de la creme of like comic cons so yeah so that was that was amazing and then and then peter capaldi um and it just i was absolutely bricking it all day and they had um uh hired this space in a hotel to do the interviews because they were doing some press stuff and and I knew I I knew I was gonna interview Peter Capaldi that day, and I mm-hmm. was just like, you know, when you're just I, I you know the kind of nervousness before going on stage or um, yes for a job interview, yeah, or just I'm, you just I feel so sick, and your heart is just like racing, and you feel so like clammy, and it's just like horrible. Yeah, and um, I was wait, I was we we were getting ready to film and setting up the camera. 
and Peter Capaldi, um, uh, we were actually on a kind of raised, like, um, there were two levels. There was like a kind of upper level with a bit of a balcony and then there was a lower level and he was on the lower level. Mm-hmm. And he walked and he walked into the room on the lower level and he looked up at me and he kind of just like reached out his hand like this magical wizard. That's <laughs> exactly how you'd like, imagine hello. Peter Capaldi to enter yeah. a room, isn't it? And he was like, hello. <laughs> and he was like, it's lovely to me. And I was like, oh, wow. Hello. <laughs> that is, that is exactly and, what I wanted to hear right then it's just and you know what the thing the, yeah the thing about Peter Capaldi is and, and and it was so evident that day is he he has such a way with fans and he makes you feel so special like you are the only person that matters and like you're the only person in the room like it really like I could have been the only person he spoke to that day he spoke to loads of people that day because he was doing press but mm-hmm. he just he he was always so generous with his time on the fan show and there were days where he, he, you know, he he had been filming for months, and then he'd done the, all of the kind of press rounds, and he was so tired, but he still made time yeah. for us, and he didn't have to. And um, he just—it's the way he—he he just, I don't know—he kind of leans forward and just like looks at you, and you're mm-hmm. just like, whoa. Ah, oh, that's. <laughs> he just. It's great yeah, to hear though, because I, I. He has this like magical kind of presence. Yeah, a, a bit ethereal. Like a other, like mm. an otherworldly man, isn't yeah. he? Like the Doctor himself, he just yeah. embodies everything. Like I did a tweet about him the other day. Like it, it's so evident that he's one of us. Like the man went on a, a major American chat show and said the words Alpha Centauri. Like he's one of us. Fantastic. That, guy, yeah, that guy's yeah, yeah. one of us. He he's just. It's great to just see a nerd rule supreme mm. over other all of us and just get to that promised land um and there was one actually there was one interview that i saw that you did with him and it was a little while ago that i watched it now and i'm trying to remember what the question was but i, I think you were talking about you were just talking about classic doctor Who episodes and he that just started. That was the interview. Yeah, that was, was the that that one at San, at San Diego? Yeah, because yeah. he just yeah. starts am I, am I listing a, a grey blade. Yeah, he yeah. just yeah, that's the one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, it's it's to the point where like you can sort of see in your face like I've got loads of questions to well, ask I'm you, but so, Peter's just got it, so much to talk about with do you know what, that, Doctor Who. That happened more than once, and yeah. in that particular interview, I was I was also so nervous, mm. and that's the reason why I'm not saying very much, and I'm just like staring at him in awe because I was a bit too nervous to speak. Yeah, um, and my my confidence did grow over the 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 two three years I did the fan show because yeah. I I I became less nervous around Peter, but um, there was this one. I think it was this one interview. It might have been the the after show interview. I I, I had loads of questions that I wanted to ask him. And it, but it was all the kind of standard questions about the episode, mm-hmm. and uh, 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 the episode it was we interviewed him for was Smile, I think, and mm-hmm. he kind of wasn't really taking the bait. Like I was asking the questions, and he kind of just he just wasn't feeling it, and he wasn't he didn't really he was answering them, but he just it wasn't leading to anything. And I yeah. thought I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go off piece with this one because that's what worked with him last time. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's why that's why we started talking about um, life on other planets, and we just went off on one, and it was just like completely questions that were yeah. weren't planned at all. Um, 
and that was often the way with him I think um yeah I think it it, it seemed to work better with him to just talk about what he wanted to talk about mm-hmm. yeah because he and the watching Peter Capaldi talk about something that he likes it's just one, one of the mm. most enjoyable things to watch as well like, he's just so passionate about like the things that he likes which is like I said usually Doctor Who and mm. you know sciencey stuff and you know it's 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 great to just I just sit and watch hours of interviews with him all the time yeah it's yeah. just just so great so great right um what we're gonna do I'm gonna take a little break yeah. there and when we come back we've got the first of our features it's the DVD collection which I'm very excited Ooh, for so we're, we're gonna be taking a trip over to the shelf but Everybody, go and have a nice little break. We'll, we'll speak to you in a minute. Welcome back. Hope you had a lovely break. It's been about 30 seconds for you, listening to a bit of, a little bit of who jazz. Um, we have that, that ever-growing shelf that is, is waiting for us. And me and Crystal are going to slide on over to see what she wants to put in the DVD collection. The Unicorn and the Wasp or Lover Monsters. Which one do you think I prefer? No, I mean, which one do you want to watch first? You are pulling my leg. So, Crystal. What? Yeah. I love this. I say this every episode. I don't, I never know what people are going to pick. Purposefully, I make sure I've never known what people are going to pick. Because... Mm. I lit, I've sat all day and I thought, oh, I just wonder what Crystal's gonna pick. Like I just, all day I'm I'm like, oh, just, well, it could be that, it could be that, who knows? There's hundreds of episodes. Mm, interesting. And it's very, very exciting. So we've got a lot on, on the shelf already. Last week we had a, a classic, Spearhead from Space. Great episode. But what will you be submitting to the DVD collection? And I can choose a two-parter, yeah? You can if you want, yeah. You can go can for I? a two- Can I? Choose, can I? Can of I? Of course <clears throat> you can. Okay. You can have a two-parter. Right. So my my DVD, my the, uh, what's going on the shelf, and because I can't live without it, is Stolen Earth, Journey's End. Oh. The Stolen Earth, Journey's End. Because... That is and the reason why, and, and some people out there might be like, oh, it's so lame. Because uh. <laughs> I know, I genuinely know some people who don't like it. But yeah. um, the reason why is because this uh, this two-parter aired at what I would say is the kind of, like, my peak fandom. Mm-hmm. And and when I, what, what I mean by that is, so kind of fan show aside, cause that, I, I, I see the fan show as kind of, that, that was kind of a different, 
st- sort of st- like stage yeah, in my like life. Yeah, like a different era. Before, like, when yeah. I was much, yeah, it makes I was much younger. Yeah. I, and I was 16. Um, I saw, I think it was The Stolen Earth um, at Pride in London in Trout Square on the big screen. Mm-hmm. And I was surrounded by all of these friends that I'd met at conventions through Doctor Who. And it just it felt so exciting um, to, to have the thing that I've loved for so long in secret yeah, out there being watched by thousands of people in Travis Square. Like it, it felt like it had grown to become this big thing because, yeah. and, 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 and since, you know, and, and through my love of Doctor Who, I'd, I'd you know, gone to start going to conventions and, Mm-hmm. I met all the, you know, all, all these friends, and it just in that moment, it just felt, it, it just, it was just so important to me. Yeah. Um. And 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 so there's a kind of personal connection with it, but I think also it is just absolutely fantastic, and I think to this day, Russell having Sarah Jane Adventures Torchwood planned to culminate mm-hmm. in this kind of Avengers style pre pre Avengers. Well, that, that's Avengers the thing. Style. It's so ahead like, of its time. It's yeah, so yeah, ahead it is, of its yeah. time. It's a decade before yeah. you know multiverses and and cinematic universes. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. this is this aired the same year that Iron Man came out. Like this it, this is like as the MCU is starting it's already happened in Doctor Who. It's we've already, already happened. Yeah, yeah, we've already had it. And and, and yeah. And I I'm really I I'm really sad that it hasn't happened since. Yeah. That's it that there is that that small it's not it's not a bad mark on the episode at all. I'll, I'll go into my thoughts on the episode in a minute. But mm-hmm. um there is that aspect of it peaked peak too soon. Like it was, it was just so massive that yeah, it was yeah. like, how do you follow that up? Like, <laughs> how do you how do you go on from that? That's it's it's pretty hard to be, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really is because it's, it, it's it's arguably like as big as an anniversary special. It's it's yeah. like yeah, yeah, as big as the fiftieth. Uh, like it's yeah. it's got more returning characters than the fiftieth, and yeah. it's mad. It's an absolutely well, mad episode. I think that's why the specials didn't really cut it. Like I think that's why, mm. <clears throat> like the specials are, like a couple of them are really good. Yeah, but they just they're just not the same, and it kind of takes David Tennant's Doctor in a in a direction that I think is really interesting. But not necessarily needed. Mm-hmm. You could you could probably end end with Stolen Earth Journey's End as the kind of finale. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. I I I, um, I I completely agree. Yeah, I've always thought because this. I, because because the specials is just like David Tennant moping around going, oh, I've been here, I've been I've been <laughs> living bit, too yeah. long. Yeah, it is a and, bit. Uh, you and know, the, I don't want to change. I don't want to go. If, if it, it's just like, yeah, oh it's, wow, email, it's that weird doctor. midpoint where it is that weird midpoint where it was like, Stolen Earth Journey's end would have been a perfect end, but if you wanted mm. to do that whole Time Lord Victorious thing, that's a series in itself. So spreading mm. that across, like essentially the whole Time Lord Victorious stuff doesn't even really kick in until 
quarters of Mars. So you're only doing it across one, two, mm. three episodes. Like it, it feels like it should have been either end at Journey's End or do series five. And that mm. weird midpoint, mm. that that mid level point, even though I I have a very fond place in my heart for the specials, I, I do like yeah. a lot of them are either great oh, I love, or I love guilty pleasures. I yeah. Love the end of time's great. Yeah, yeah. Waters yeah. of Mars is great. The other two yeah, yeah. are are guilty no. pleasures for me, I'd say. Yeah. Um mm. But but back to Stolen Earth Jenny's End. What a fun ride that is. And it's just mm. like I I I always loved it growing up, but the thing that really cemented it as like one of my favourites was actually the lockdown watch along last year when i because i'm i'm surprisingly relatively new to the whole online fandom it only really happened during lockdown where i was stuck at home and i decided to watch classic doctor who from the start um and i just started tweeting about it and a few people started replying and then before I knew it, I was literally just spending all day on Twitter just chatting to people about Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it sort of peaked with that that watch along in particular. I'd done a few of the ones previous. Um, but I just sat like I sat, I had a I had a beer and I had a takeaway and I watched Stolen Earth Journey's End back to back, watching through the live tweets tweeting along with it and I just had the best night I was just sat on my own in lockdown <laughs> and it was just so fun and I was like I'm I'm even just invested in the episode in a way that I probably haven't been since first broadcast and mm. I loved that and it, it just it was the first time where I, I really felt that that community spirit in Doctor Who yeah um yeah and that fandom because I didn't really have many mates that watched it I didn't like none of my family watched mm. it I've always been a bit of a a lone wolf as a as a Whovian growing up so just being able to chat to loads of people about Doctor Who was was very very fun yeah. um but yeah what a classic that is a great pick um <laughs> another Dalek story on the shelf another Dalek another Dalek finale we've got we've already got mm. Bad Wolf Parting of the Ways on there um, which is a great one. And our first Davros story on the shelf. Ah, oh. oh, I love Davros. Love Davros so much. I like. I I quite like Davros actually. I was looking. I don't. It was the other day. I was watching the clip of him opening his eye, and I remember at the time thinking, "What? What is this? <laughs> what? Yeah, I know what, what you is mean. this?" <laughs> And I watched it again the other day and I was like, yeah, fair play. Like, yeah, sure. Like, it's really funny how you watch, you watch episodes in hindsight or watch clips in hindsight and you just, you, you think you, you, you feel completely different. Yeah. Maybe it's because you have like, a, a, you, you have a new series to, to compare it to or something. But I think, I think episodes often, especially like the bad ones age like cheese or wine, don't they? They kind yeah. of often, I don't know if you found this. I, I found yeah. this. I've I found this. I'm like, 
Actually, I mean, it's not bad. I've I've sp- I've I've got this thing where, I mean, if you ask me, because I, I had a when I was actually coming up with ideas for the podcast, I was like, I could do like a, a like a podcast where I review episodes of Doctor Who or something, but then I was like, I can't review Doctor Who because I have no way to look at it objectively because I love all of Doctor Who. I love the worst parts of Doctor Who and I love the best parts of Doctor Who (laughs) and I love the completely middle of the road boring parts of Doctor Who Uh, I just there's just something about it that Mm. I could yeah just you you could give me a one out of ten episodes and I will just sit and watch it over and over again because everything just has its its charm um Mm. So yeah, everything everything ages like fine wine in Doctor Who for me. <laughs> everything yeah. ages in in fine yeah. wine. Um, well, it's on the shelf, and I'm very happy hey. about it. It's a great pick, and I can't wait to see everyone's reaction on Twitter when I when I tweet it out because I think everyone's gonna love that one. Um, I hope so. Yeah, I hope so there, too. There might be there might be one or two who are like. Well, why did you pick that one? It's not the best one. There probably will be, but we won't <laughs> listen to them. They're just—they're not here for the fun. They're not here for the fun. It's just a romp, isn't it? Um. Mm. So, speaking of Twitter, we're gonna we're gonna take a little dip in the bag, the fiery hell bag that is Twitter. Ugh. Otherwise known here on Who Knew as Bloody Twitter. For God's sake! Bloody Twitter! So, we've got some questions. We've got a lot of questions. A lot of people are very excited that you're on the podcast. Because, like I said, you you were the, you were the figurehead for, for the fans for a very long time. So, uh, as soon as I tweeted out that, that you were coming on the show... People just chucked so many questions at me. So we'll go through as many as we can. Might have to quick fire a few. Sure. Um, yeah, go but, for it. but we've got some some interesting ones. Um, a person who always brings us interesting questions mm. is the first guest we had on this podcast. It's Mr. Tom Vance, uh, who's at Tom Vance underscore on Twitter. Uh, he's mm-hmm. got three questions. He always asks mm-hmm. three questions. And I apologise in advance for these questions um, because he asks the strangest questions, but I I love just putting them in there. So during the fan show, you sat among the best from the Doctor Who community. (laughs) Who smelt the best? I knew this was coming because I I looked at this. Did you see uh, this? this Uh, I did. And I actually have a really good story for this one. So the answer is Peter Capaldi. Of course it is. And Peter Capaldi wears Joel Malone. And the reason why I say it like that, like Joel Malone, is because there's a funny story that goes with this. Um, So Peter Capaldi came into BBC Studios to do um, a talk downstairs. So sometimes he used to open up the canteen and have like a little stage and they used to have people do a talk for... yeah an hour and we had like bruce forsyth and we had like david attenborough and one of oh, the guests wow. one time was peter Cap- i know right that's incredible wow. it used to happen like 
It used to happen like once or twice a year. They they used to do it at the end of the fina- financial year as a kind of like celebration. Have a, have 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 a gathering and yeah and watch a Q and A or something. But um, so Peter Capaldi was one of the guests, and um, obviously having met him on the fan show, um, and and obviously Chris had met him as well uh, a few times. Um, obviously we felt like you know it. it would be okay to approach him and talk to him and um mm-hmm. and it was it was around the kind of it was kind of around the back of the uh by the lifts like in a kind of I think there was a little room there and he was I, I might have been in the room or it might have been in front of in front of the room I can't actually remember anyway it was around it was a bit secluded it was sort of around the back and we're mm-hmm. chatting to him and Luke Luke it was Luke Spillant's first time meeting him and it is the pit it's the picture that I think is still pinned on his Twitter yeah and because I, I, I think I, t- I might have took that picture, or Chris might have took t- took that picture. Yeah. So we were really delighted because because Luke hadn't met Peter Capaldi yet, and we were like, right, come and you've got to come and meet Peter. He, he you know, he's so lovely. And Luke, Luke adores Peter Capaldi. Yeah. And um, uh, so they posed for this photo, and I can't really remember. Uh, I think Peter might have said, "Oh, you smell nice. What do you what what are you wearing?" And and Luke was like Paul Smith or something because Luke does wear some some aftershave or, mm-hmm. or some spray or whatever it is and then luke was like what do you wear and um uh or something like that and peter was like i wear john malone <laughs> and it was just like in his in his deep scottish voice that is and on the so um, cool. luke has a bit of a recording because it's a live photo so when you hold it down it kind of plays a little yeah. bit of it and I think you can hear him just. I think you can hear him say Joe Malone or something like that. Joe Malone. <laughs> if he's if he's still got it, he should release it on Twitter. He definitely like should. Sound bite. He definitely um, should. Um, anyway, so so little story to go with that. But the answer is Peter Capaldi. He de- he genuinely smells amazing. Yeah, I bet he does. I bet he does. I bet he smells like space. I don't know why. Space and space and Joe jo Malone. Space and Joe Malone. Um, <laughs> Joe Malone. Your, your other two questions. Mm. Um, is Luke that cool, or is it a special effect? I um I I love Luke and and um I I consider Luke one of my uh, best friends. Um, he he is he is. I think he's quite. I mean, he's. I think the thing about Luke is he he just rocks being Luke's plan, and yeah. he, he just rocks the nerdiness really well. He really in, in a does. really cool way. Yeah. Um, whether it's kind of trains or or going on kind of long walks or um, you know, going for co- get, getting a coffee or wh- whatever it is, you know, doc- you know, watching something, you know, watching Star Wars, watching Doctor Who, like he just pulls it off in a really cool way. So I, I I would say I would say that the coolness is very much real. Yeah. Um. But it's it's also very unique to kind of like Luke. It's like Luke. Luke does Luke really well, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. It's not a special effect. You heard it here first. And his <laughs> his final question is: Are you all right sitting in train seats that face the opposite direction of travel? I think this question might be about um, whether I get travel sick, and I, I, I honestly don't know. Um, I, I don't really mind. I can't. Well, I, I tend go. to face the. I, I, I tend to. I think I tend to face the direction the train is moving in, but sometimes you can't get a seat. So. Yeah, that's going to be my my <laughs> my clickbait. Is you won't believe what Crystal D said about trains. I, I 
would have thought you would say I, I, you wouldn't believe what Crystal said about Luke's plan. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna, do, I'm gonna use that as well. I'll click by, <laughs> I'll click by anything. Me, um, a another regular in the, um, in the Twitter questions section is at Jamie underscore season seven. He's asked, in your opinion, what is the most underrated Doctor Who story? The episode I think deserved a bit more love is um, Sleep No More. And uh, lots of people are probably going to be quaking in their boots right now upon hearing this. <laughs> but um, the reason yeah. why I, I say that is because I think Sleep No More was trying to do something different. And um, <clears throat> I'm a big fan of um, unusual kind of formats. And I, yeah. I thought I thought it was like doing the CCTV thing was really cool. Mm-hmm. And, you know, much much the same way that 42 happening in kind of kind of real time. Yeah. Was really was really fun and really interesting. Like, I'd love to see more episodes like that. Like, I'd love to see an episode that runs backwards or like they go to like a backwards planet or. Oh, that'd be cool. I think I'm ripping off Red Red Dwarf here. But, um, uh, you know, episodes that kind of, you know, an episode like that like that horror film where they go to like some planet and there's a monster and you can't you have to be silent or like mm-hmm. yeah everything's subtitled no, or I get, something i, I don't know something like that and so so I, I i take my hats off to sleep no more for just daring to be different yeah it, it tried i think it's one that i i i think if there's if you could name one new who episode to me that i just i can barely tell you anything about i think i've just watched it once and i just mm. haven't gone back to it um i don't remember hating it so I, i'm gonna I, I need to re-watch it i'm gonna re-watch it so there you go people. nice i'm gonna i'm gonna <laughs> give sleep no more another go um our next question is from a friend of the show a wonderful author Stuart bint um at author sjb on twitter um that's a really good question um so he said personally i'm a big supporter of younger voices in the fandom as i believe they're the future of the show but does crystal think that generally older fans are a bit too set in their ways and don't appreciate that youngsters are more important than we oldies nowadays which i think is a bit shoot shoot being a bit harsh on himself Stuart is down with the kids um I'm always chatting to Stuart on Twitter, and he's a lovely mm. fella. Um, but yeah, what 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 would you say your your opinions are on that? On mm. the, the 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 bit of the the older to younger fan divide. I think that's a really interesting question, and obviously that question it does sound like that question has has come out of that kind of divide quote unquote divide on twitter mm-hmm. the thing is I, I what i will say is i i don't think it's right to generalize like that and oh yeah you know, so i yeah would, i get what you mean. i would say that no i don't think that i wouldn't class all older fans as set in their ways i think it'd be wrong to do that um mm. it's, well, it's Stuart, Stuart himself generalize. i hope Stuart doesn't mind but i, I think he would cl- he like he did classify himself as an older fan and he's Proving his own point there that the that they're not all set in their ways, um. So yeah, it is a bit of a a, a generalization, uh, but I think, yeah, I think um, 
you know, I, I think it's very easy to say that. And I think I've, I've been guilty of that in the past where, you mm. know, I've made jokes that um, about Doctor Who being gatekept by middle-aged white men of a certain weight, which <laughs> yeah. you get you get that impression from stereotypes, right? It's, yeah, of course. It's, um, you know, and you, you, you get that impression. I, I've, I've got that impression um, off, off Twitter, but it also is the classic stereotype of a kind of anorak, isn't it? And I think, yeah. um, you know, in, in, as I've got older and I've kind of um, uh, stepped away from the fandom slightly, I think I've come to realise that um, it's, it's actually really unhelpful to um, uh, group people into into labels like that and, mm. and to kind of generalize because actually it you know it's one of the reasons why we have uh that's one of the reasons why um part of the fandom is is really um uh toxic and i think it just because it comes from these kind of generalizations we make you're yeah. this you're that you're 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 a cosplayer you're you know i'm a i'm a young female queer whatever um yeah i i i i had lots of comments that called me various different names based on my um uh you know whatever gender um age like people yeah, cool. saying it's a young woke person like I don't know if he's a boy or a girl it's a diversity hire it's a diversity hire for the BBC and it's like you know it's I don't think it's it's anyway I I don't think it's right to to do that I think it's easy to make that assumption and and lots of the lots of the negative lots of the kind of crap I've got on Twitter are from uh, tend to be from guys and they tend to be from older guys, but yeah. but not exclusive, not exclusively to older guys. You yeah, because I've had of plenty of flack from other people as well. So it's so so it'd be easy to say that, but actually no, it's just it it it, it, it it's the only the only label I can give them is is people who make nasty comments like that is the only label I can give them is mm-hmm. um, well they're dickheads, aren't they? But yeah, don't know pretty much. I don't know if I can yeah. say that on this podcast. You can um, say that on this podcast, <laughs> definitely. You know, you well, judge, judge a person, judge a person on their actions, not their age, not their gender. Yeah. Like judge them. You know, if Doctor Who's taught you anything, mm-hmm. it Completely should be agree. judge people on what they do, not not what, not not anything else. Yeah, of course, and that's well, like you you can talk about that. We we've spoken about it on the podcast before, um, because I I mean they came for me after episode one, um, but. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, because because Tom Tom Vance, who asked you those three lovely questions before, he he is sort of seen because he runs. I don't know if you've seen the the not my doctor account where he he talks about mm-hmm. he, he he sort of tries to expose these these people for their actions and what what they tweet out and tries to hold people to account for the, the kinds of things that they tweet that are usually incredibly negative. And it's not that you, you can't be negative about the show, but obviously there's there's ways that you can go about that without attacking people. Um, yeah. For the, the, you know, the, the same things that, that you've mentioned there. Um, so it's something that's, that's definitely come up on, on the show before. And... Um, obviously, I think it's it's very firmly. Uh, I've planted my flag on on the side of of good and um, just being 
being a bit nice to each other. It's not that hard, is it, really? Um, and just attacking people for for their opinions on a on a TV show. It's all a bit daft, isn't it? Gets a bit silly. Um, well, it, it makes you it makes you wonder what what else they've got going on in their lives. Yeah. Have that much time to you know. Like, yeah, you 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 I mean, really do wonder. Yeah. There's 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 issues on both sides. I completely hold my hands up and say you know neither neither if if we have to split it in half. Because I don't think it is in half. I think it's in so many different sections of like everyone has, no one has the exact same opinion on it. Um, but if you have to split it down the middle, like both sides have, you know, bad points and good points. But there is a a firmly good side in in it's... my eyes. It's um. I think it's it's okay. It's perfectly okay to have opinions. Yeah. It's perfectly okay to disagree. Yeah. <clears throat> no, nobody's saying that you you have to like Jodie Whittaker's Doctor. Um, I I cannot tell you how much I disliked Matt Smith's Doctor at the beginning because I yeah. just come out of loving David Tennant and yeah. Doctor Who can't be all things to all people. Yeah, um, of course. And it it changes all the time. I think what's out of order is when when that that is channeled into that dislike of something is channeled into hate and it's it's channeled into personal hate of others and where you send very personal messages to people um being very nasty yeah um that's when i well that's when i draw the line and and that's what's unacceptable i yeah, do you know what if you don't like jody whisker's doctor Fill your boots, mate. That's fine. Yeah, that's completely that's agree. what makes the world go round. Like having different opinions is what makes the world go round. But do not come after me. If I like it, do not come after me. Yeah. And say I, I only like it because of this, that, and that. You're just this and that and the other, and calling me, you know, nasty things. Yeah. And if like, if the words diversity and I come out of your mouth, <laughs> then I just I really don't want to listen to whatever you've got to say. Um, <laughs> in, in, if if that if if that's what you think. You know, try and think it in private, please, because I, yeah, I don't want to listen to that. It's a load of bollocks. Next question um, is from another former guest, um, fantastic musician, Dalekium, um, does some amazing stuff. If you haven't listened, anyone out there, mm. go and check him out. Um, he does a lot of incredible variations on the Doctor Who theme tune, so very on brand. He's asked, what's your favourite version of the Doctor Who theme tune? <gasps> 
the Peter Howell theme. Oh, that was straight out the bat. That was that was eighties. Great. Yeah, I know. Like everyone always dithers on that question because people, it's come up a few times on on the pod, um, and I dither on it. I can't pick one straight out the bat, but um, that's a good pick. That's a good pick. I must say, I've I've taken my first, I've dipped my my toes into big finish for the first time this week, um, which is a big scary world to to jump into, um, mm. but the the Dave the David Arnold Eighth Doctor theme, oh, love it, Ooh. absolutely love it. I can only describe it as beefy. It's beefy. Beefy. It's a beefy tune. <laughs> it's bassy. Beefy bass. Mm. Oh, I love it. I love it. Peter, a.k.a. Dalekian, has also asked, the Paradigm Daleks, underrated uh. icons deserving of a renaissance or a Power Ranger putrid pestilence? <laughs> I've rehearsed that a few times. It's, it's quite uh, hard to say. It's, it's, yeah, it's quite interesting, isn't it? I think, like you we were saying earlier about how th- you, you, things age, um, things age like a fine wine. I, uh, I, I look back on on those paradigm Daleks, and I think, I mean, they do look, they do look silly, but I'm also like, yeah, yeah, I don't mind like, it. Uh, it's, I don't. It's, I, that weirdly seems to be the general consensus now. I think. I think because because so much time has passed and we've had lots of different we've had we've had different Daleks that you know more designs and we've had you know we've had more we've had more monsters. There's more variety. I think you can mm-hmm. easily look back and go, oh yeah, that was the first time that they'd switched up the Dalek design for yeah. a while. Um, apart from the Russell ones and the the, the like the the Supreme Dalek, like the red the red one is the super yeah one? yeah the red one um, with the with the gold bits. i was like yeah and that was like the first like big drastic change and so of course it was going to be a shock and it was a, it really was a departure from from where we were and i think mm. you like the most recent the jodie whittaker kind of the most recent daleks and the obviously the the, the that reconnaissance scout dalek like that the silhouette of it of it looks more similar to what we recognise as a Dalek, but yeah. the Paradigm Daleks just look they look like those you know the the car that I think it might be uh, I can't remember what what brand it is, but do you remember there was the car with the big boot and the advert was um, that song, um, I see you baby. Yeah, chicken edit that one. So, that yeah. one, Grievemarder. But yeah, that's do you remember the, the ad- do you remember the advert? I do remember the advert. Yeah, I do. With the big. With the big Basically, the like the big the, the bum, big, basically big at the back. Yeah, big booty, <laughs> big booty. Yeah, it just they, that's what they look like. They look like that car. Yeah, they are like just yeah. They're very yeah. weird. They are very weird. I mean, the kids, the kids nowadays may describe those Daleks as thick. They are thick. Thick. They yes, thick. yes, two C's. Yes. I'm such a granddad. Um, but yeah, they they do seem to be getting um. Getting a bit more love on Twitter. I see mm. people doing like little redesigns and stuff. And yeah. I've grown to love them. Um mm. the colours, not so much. I prefer them <laughs> I prefer them in, in like a bit more muted. A little bit Yeah, makes sense. Calmer. Alright, just calmer. Chill. Chill guys. Um so the next question. 
is mm. from Philip Hawkins at Ludex underscore Phil on Twitter. Oh, hello. He's, I know. I know Phil. You you know Phil? Oh, well, yeah. I know Phil. Yes, he's a cracking <laughs> YouTuber. Um, he's asked, "What's the one idea that you wish you'd gotten to do on the fan show?" But for one reason or another, it never worked out. So they, they, I think this links back mm. quite well to our, our chat earlier because I know that you mentioned there was a few things that you obviously went you, like that you I imagine pitched and probably didn't yeah. go ahead in, in the way that you planned or or, or some... just get turned down. Mm. There's it was obviously it was quite a long time ago, so I I actually can't remember specific ideas. I yeah. think. Um, one of the barriers we faced was uh, access to talent um, because mm-hmm. the only their shooting schedules were so jam packed that the only way that we could get time with um, any of the cast members was to go to the press days. Yeah. Um, so we were very limited in terms of what we could do with talent, basically. Um, mm. If I had the luxury of having more time with um, with with the actors uh, or, or, or people, you know, production crew and, 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 and sets as well, I definitely would have done more of a confidential type thing. Um, yeah. Not not to replace confidential because, you know, the fan show was supposed to be a, a different thing and yeah. its own thing. And, and it was actually designed with not having access to talent or set in mind. Right, okay. So because, yeah, because yeah. there was obviously that mm. that void there to fill mm. when confidential mm. went away. But it's interesting that you like yeah. it was a conscious decision to not g- fall straight into well, that gap. And it wasn't try something a bit different. It wasn't necessarily okay, let's sit down and think what should we do? Confidential yeah. or fan show? Like it didn't, yeah, it, yeah, didn't yeah, yeah, yeah. it didn't work out like that. Um mm-hmm. Uh, but there was a gap, like you said, and and there wasn't anything online, um, and there wasn't anything um, on YouTube specifically, and so that's how that idea came about. And obviously, I didn't, I I, I didn't initially pitch the fan show, so there's there's yeah. more of a story there in terms of that process, and 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 you know, which I can't tell you because I I don't know, but mm-hmm. um, but one of the challenges we face was, well, you're not going to have access to the set and you're not going to have access to talent. So you're going to have to come up with something else. And um, it being the fan show, obviously a large part of that was focusing on the fans. Um, and it kind of, and then, and, and then it kind of evolved into closer to what we wanted. Well, what, what personally, what I envisioned it as, mm-hmm. which was the after show. Cause I remember during series one, I was like, we went for a sandwich and, Westfield and I said to Chris I don't know we we're just talking about future plans and I said oh you know it'd be so cool if we could review episodes live I think it was it might have been during the discussion show when we were doing that because we weren't able to have access to the episodes ahead of time at that point yeah. or, or very far in advance and um and like I said earlier it's about it was about kind of proving ourselves but um, and then eventually we we did we, we we were able to do it and we we did have people come to Boosie Studios to to be interviewed but mm-hmm. there were limits there were limitations in t- you know in terms of how much access we had so yeah so so to answer the question I would say that I would I would have done a lot more behind the scenes on set yeah, yeah. Um, now that 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 makes sense I, I mean yeah no I mean we I, I, we'd all love that 
Um, yeah. It'd be, it'd be great. Um, like we, we had um, George Sherd Ace Creeper on a few, uh, a few weeks ago because he was lucky enough to get the chance to visit the set of Revolution of the Daleks, um, which it was... If if you haven't listened to, we did like a little hour long special where we go in a bit more in depth about his experience doing that, and mm. obviously the fact that he runs a Doctor Who YouTube channel where he has to react to all of the news, and he's got people asking <laughs> him, "Is is Captain Jack coming back?" And he's like, "Oh, doubt it, doubt it," and he's known for about eighteen months. Um, yeah, well, so, well, good good on him for not for, for not, not really, yeah. Yet. Yes. Yeah. Well, I imagine that you know Chris Chibnall would have shown up at his house with a SWAT team and machine guns if <laughs> if he'd have mentioned anything, mm. um, which must have been hard for you as well. Like I think you touched on it. Like um, you know, knowing mm. things ahead of schedule must have been well, yeah, and tough yeah, to not course. reveal it... things. Um, yeah, and have a bit of, of course it... secrecy, especially. Yeah, no, of course, especially when your friends are Doctor Who fans and you're still surrounding yourself with the same, very same people that were your friends before the fan show. Mm -hmm. Suddenly you're in this position, you know, I was still doing Five Who fans in the first couple of years there and I would be sworn to secrecy. And like in my head, I'm like, obviously I, I'm, I'm like dying to tell somebody, but, but you yeah. know, it's just, it's just not possible. So, um... So I, I, it's one of the reasons why I think me, Luke and Chris became uh, close quite quickly because they were the only people, they were obviously fans as well and they were the only people that w I could talk about this mm -hmm. stuff to and vice versa. So so we talked about it within the doors of the BBC but obviously beyond it, it's it's very difficult to keep things secret, very, very difficult. Yeah. But yeah. you just you just ha you just imagine. have to you just have to because in the end it's uh, knowing you, people are dying to know about something and then you know about it and it's like oh I yeah know about you it don't now. Uh, you, you, you never really want to know you just do ruin you? It, yeah you never no. really want to know because it's like no. you said you want to experience it with everyone else yeah and you want that you know that want those those uh water cooler moments you know going into mm, work mm. or going on twitter and everybody's talking about it like if you already know about it yeah. it's it's a bit like well yeah it's good isn't it um <laughs> next question is from ben Lindsay at ben Lindsay 3000 um on twitter he's asked what's your favorite tardis team that question um mm, favorite tardis team so this is kind of oh it's tough isn't so it? team team as in multiple so i can't choose like a companion like i have to choose i have to choose one a of doctor, the multiples yeah yeah, yeah it's got a doctor be. with multiple no no it can be just a doctor and a companion oh it can be if you want but if it's multiple companions, that's fine. I'm making these rules up as I go along, so mm. why not? Hope this is what you wanted, Ben. Oh, it's but, it's yeah. it's tricky, isn't it? If it I is hard. Choose mul yeah, multiple people. Um... Oh, oh, it is actually quite difficult. Yeah. Well, he's asked. I mean, my... Would it would it be classic or new? 
I don't know, because obviously we've spoken about New Who a lot. <clears throat> I don't know what your experience is with, with Classic Who are. I've seen about two-thirds of Classic Who. Yeah. Um, that's, 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 a, that's a fair amount. I which mean, is decent. A, yeah. In in like in like five or six years, like I didn't I didn't I think I started watching Classic Who during the fiftieth actually. So yeah, so it's been very sporadic. I had to brush up a lot when I worked on uh, the fan show, but obviously yeah. um, uh, writing the the women who lived as well. I had to kind mm-hmm. of brush up for that. But so my favorite um, so my favorite com- companion is Donna. Um, uh, my favorite TARDIS team. Um, I re- revisited series ten recently, and I do enjoy Bill and Nardole. Yeah, I enjoy I them. Do too. They're not my favorite. I enjoy them. Yeah, they're not up. They're they're kind of up there. They're not the ones that they are. They are up there. Amy, I'm not. I'm not an Amy slash Rory slash Eleventh Doctor person. Um, mm-hmm. That's. That era, I like truly checked out. Like, it just yeah. wasn't for me. Yeah. But I love. I've loved the times when Rose and Captain Jack has appeared, and Rose is there or Donna's there. Uh, you yeah. know, like that, I lo- I've the, loved those moments. Yeah, or Martha, that, that, like all of the whenever Captain Jack Russell enters a, Davies, a room. Yeah, yeah all of the Russell much, T Davies yeah. combinations just work so well. All of those characters yeah. just fit together. Like jigsaw yeah. pieces, like and Captain Jack is the the glue there. He just brings everything together. Captain Jack yeah. is just a one man TARDIS team in himself. Yeah, yeah. What a legend! What a legend! <laughs> what a legend! Um, and our final question mm. uh, comes from, I guess we've we've mentioned um, Billy Garrett John. Uh, who was who was a guest a few episodes ago at uh, Garrett John on Twitter G A R A T J O H N. I love the way that rolls off the tongue. He says it better than I do. Um, <laughs> just the way he spells it out, it just it just it's smooth. It's Bond esque. Um, he said, "Hey Crystal, um, from its inception through to the end of its run, under your position as presenter, what was the process behind the evolution?" of the fan show and do you ever wish that it headed in different directions and or he's also said what what were your pie in the sky dreams for it which obviously like you you've mentioned wanting to go more onto the set and more time with the actors and and the talent um but yeah what what are your opinions on that so like the the different directions it could have gone in and do you think the one that it did go in was was the right direction? Yeah, I mean, I I, I did I, I I kind of I think I kind of answered this question earlier, but um, do I do I wish it had gone in different directions? I I don't know. I mean, I was very much kind of in the moment, and um, mm-hmm. I think towards the end there was this question about what would happen with it, and mm. um, I did think at the time. I if it if it did continue I think I would have left anyway. I was starting to feel like 3 years was enough. Mm-hmm. Much like doctors. Yeah, the trout uh, rule. 3 years is uh, yeah, yeah, I it, the, it, it, it's true. Role. I mean after after 3 years I felt like that that's it I've kind of 
you know i've i've done that i've had my mm-hmm. time and and i think it you know i, I think i yeah. felt like it would have been and i think it you know going into jd whitaker's doctor it would have made sense to change the the, the team for the fan yeah. show as well but unfortunately it, unfortunately it, it didn't happen um and yeah. I, I i ended up in a different role at the BBC um, in, uh, as a digital marketing manager. So I actually worked on the marketing for the marketing campaign for, for Jodie Whittaker's um, yeah, so first I, I was, series. Th- so, it would, it yeah. leads on to what I was going to say, actually. Mm. So I, I was going to speak to you about leaving the fan show because I imagine, mm. what, like you've said, it's it's a very defined era in, in your life with a, with a start and an end. Um, it must have been must have been difficult saying goodbye to it um obviously mm. i know that like you've said you you were it was a bit more phased for you than it probably appeared to us like to 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 the fans mm. it just seemed like oh crystal's not doing the fan show anymore and the fan show's gone but obviously in in terms of your life you're you're phasing into a different role within the bbc and mm. going into this new era of the show know and it's a new era for you as well um but it, it must have been a, a difficult decision I, I imagine um obviously i know you said well, you you, you hmm. had that 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 you wanted to do three and done three years and done but hmm. but was it was there any part of you that was like sort of wanted to to cling on to it at all or were you happy to um, just let let that be uh, something well, that you've done I, and move on to the next thing like i said if if it had continued i i think i would have moved on from it anyway i think yeah. it, it it would have been time for someone else to to do that and actually if i was in charge of a fan show i would have um introduced a team of presenters as opposed to just me just one or, or sometimes mm-hmm. the explain like i would have had i would have had four or five people a bit like bbc click or like the gadget show or something where you have different people with different specialisms who can cover yeah. off different parts of the fandom so you're not just speaking to the same audience all the time yeah so not not that we were speaking to the same audience all the time but i think i you know where i'm not you know obviously lots of people uh you know based on the feedback lots of people did like watching me but obviously where i wasn't so liked there might have been someone else that they would have liked um mm-hmm. and so when you, if you have a team of people with different you know one's a classic who expert one's a cosplay expert one's a new who or one's a props maker one's a whatever um yeah. one knows a lot about missing episodes one knows i don't know just different kind of maybe we could cover ha, could have covered more ground but to your point it, it did it it was a very um gradual process and it it did kind of, I mean, externally, it probably looked like the fan show just stopped. Yeah. Internally, it was more, it just kind of fizzled out. And um, I can't really, I can't really um, speak a lot about the in- kind of internal processes in terms of like what goes into um, pitching stuff. I can't really speak for the BBC bosses. Like, yeah, of course. Because I yeah. wasn't really involved in that process. So I think, mm-hmm. I don't think it'd be right for me to talk about that, but. But the um, I my 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 suspicion is that like with uh, when the fan show was initially pitched um, during Peter Crowley's first series, my suspicion is that the focus just they wanted to just focus on launching Jodie Whittaker's Doctor, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the f- general feeling amongst the team and the new team, Chris Chibnall's team, was that now is not the time to do the fan show. Yeah, possibly. That, and, and I'm I'm just saying this is this is this is my take on it. Yeah, but of course. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. I'm. This is not. Please do not take this as accurate because. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. It's, this it's, is like it's my. Just how it this appears. is like my wild guess because actually yeah, internally, um, it uh, it just it, I wasn't actually told very much. It was just no, it's not happening, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's sad. Mm-hmm. Okay, but by that point, I had, I had started. Um, I'd stayed within the production team, but I'd started producing content um for some of the other channels i started producing some bbc videos uh, so sorry i started producing some cbbc video cbb's videos should i say mm-hmm. um and started doing some other kind of work um you know on some of the other brands so i was starting to move away from that anyway um yeah and at this point i was actually looking to leave the bbc because i wanted to pursue digital producer roles um and i was actually applying i was actually applying for just digital producer roles and that's when um i was approached by um the head of the the the, the head of um digital i think at the time said uh would you like to step into the role of digital marketing manager and at yeah. the time, I remember seeing I remember seeing the role advertised, and I remember thinking, "Oh, I can't do that." And of course, it it was something that I I did have I did have some transferable skills, but I did have to yeah. learn a lot. And they basically said, "You've already started doing you working with some." I I, I think I I'd taken on some kind of I I worked on the Twitch, the classic Doctor Who on Twitch, and I yes. worked on yeah. some other partnerships, and they'd liked the work that I did there, and they said, "Would you like to?" do this as a secondment and I was like well yeah that sounds great so I ended up staying for an extra year as a digital marketing manager which was great because actually that mm. added a whole load of new skills to my CV and it really was being thrown in at the deep end um I worked with an agency to revamp Doctor Who TV and um managed the Facebook account and mm-hmm. um worked with liaised with um various licensees so Big Finish and BBC Books and yeah um, uh, and Titan Comics and all, all all those types of people to to promote stuff on Facebook, which was actually at the time uh, the, the Facebook was run by BBC Studios and the Twitter and Instagram was run by the main BBC, so they yeah. couldn't post any commercial stuff. So we just we just looked after the Facebook. So it's changed now, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so and so and of of course working on the marketing for for series eleven. Um, but when when series eleven ended, um, uh, I I thought about doing another year. Um, yeah. But at that point, I'd felt like I'd done so much Doctor Who, and I felt like I needed to. And this is going to sound really like cheesy, but I needed to find myself beyond Doctor Who because Doctor no, Who yeah, had kind I, of defined defined me for for so long, and people that's what people saw me as is the the doctor who girl the fan show girl and and i kind of felt like i needed to just like from a career perspective get more yeah. experience yeah of course but yeah. also step back from the fandom because i felt very suffocated by it in the end and mm-hmm. um i just needed to just fu- just be me and not be crystal 
from the fan show, Crystal from yeah. Doctor Who, and just like be me and 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 kind of um, build my my life outside of Doctor Who, and and that's what I've been doing ever since, really. And yeah, and 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 I all all the better for it because I I'm now able to you know come on podcasts like this and and I can talk about it and 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 I don't yeah. feel bitter about it and I don't feel you know I can watch Doctor Who and not feel. And that's Scott, great. like it's triggering or like, you know, I, say, I mean, I, you yeah. know, I use that term very lightly, but um, I can, I, I watch it and enjoy it and I don't feel like, oh, that mm-hmm. was, oh, that, that, that was the day that this happened and, or, or like, you know, not, it, it not reminding me of whatever um, yeah. I can, and yeah, I can watch, I can watch Jodie Whittaker's Doctor Who without knowing anything, which is like great because that hasn't happened yeah. since series eight. That's, so that's really cool. Like the, the fact that. That there's obviously yeah you you from from an outside fan perspective just like the 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 assumptions that that fans like me would would make in their heads would be mm. oh it must must be terrible to leave Doctor Who but oh yeah yeah well, there's that's so why, that's many why... of those benefits that yeah. like the fact that you you get to be a fan again and you get to to enjoy it in the same yeah. way. That that started you on this journey, and now you've come yeah. full circle, and you've had all of these amazing I, experiences, and now you can go back yeah. to to loving the show. It's it's really nice. It's really nice, and and I, I I would liken it to I I flew I flew too close to the sun. Mm-hmm. I would I, that's the way I would I would I would say that I I got too too close to the show. People saw me as very close to the show, and it engulfed me and I felt in the end that I needed to just get out mm-hmm. and um and and then that you know and I think that's partially also just because because of the online stuff as well yeah. and just lots well, of it's just lots of just lots well, of things it's um, a strange it's a strange place and it's a strange community to be a part of isn't mm, it and mm. it can be like I've 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 only had you know a, a, a tiny fraction of you know the the kind of stuff that you would have got, but you know mm. putting myself out there a bit more with the podcast, yeah, and you know speaking to people, it it can get a bit mm. overwhelming, a bit much, a bit, yeah, a yeah. bit much, and like I'm I'm not ashamed to say like that like I'm I'm going to be completely honest here it's got its good sides because like last night um as we're recording this i can't believe mm. i'm saying these words but last night i announced that our final guest for series one is katie manning which That's is amazing incredible you're gonna have so much fun i i know i'm so excited <laughs> um and obviously i tweeted it out last night and the reaction was incredible and I sat in this chair and I just saw the tweets and the likes and the questions flooding in for Katie. And it it was I was just overwhelmed but in, in yeah, a great way. Yeah. But then sometimes it's the other way and it's like after I released the first well, episode it you know, you get yeah. the negativity There's... and it's it can just be really draining sometimes yeah and it you know it 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 will you're you're always going to have that and it and it you'll get more of it as it gets more popular but if Mm -hmm. you're not upsetting someone then you're not 
doing something right are you yeah so, true um i love but, 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 yeah <laughs> um <laughs> so do i um, yeah. I was just going to add, yeah, and no, I just wanted to add one more thing. Is, yeah, of course. Is that um, just just whilst I'm thinking about things and kind of reminiscing on things, I I do, I I know I've said that I was really keen to move away from it, but I do really miss it, and I yeah really like. There's not a day that goes by and it, like without thinking about my time on the BBC at the BBC with those people in that office, and I still dream about being in that office. Mm probably about twice a week and I get quite sad about it sometimes because I I now look back on it in like very kind of rose tinted glasses it was this gold because it it really it, looking back now I can see it really was this like golden era mm-hmm. and it definitely was like a golden era in my life um was absolutely living the dream and yeah and I I know I can't go back to that so it's quite you know it was my choice to move away from that but also it it, it did things did change as well and and it was there, there did come a time where it felt it was it was the right time to move on and i'm sure mm-hmm. every doc every, i'm sure everyone who has ever played the doctor has this as well it, it's you do it for three years or however long you do it for and you have the time of your life but there there comes this time where you can't do it forever and you do have to move on yeah and it's it's probably going to be painful but it is the right thing to do mm-hmm. um but i i i really 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 miss it um mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I just, I w- you know, I wish I could go back and do that job again. But yeah. but then on the flip side, sometimes I'm like, I did it and it was great, but I wouldn't want to do it again. And if if yeah, someone well, brought was, the fan show that, back and, yeah. and, yeah, if someone brought it back and, and said, oh, Crystal, would you like to be part of it or host it? I I, I think I would turn it down. That was going to be my next question. Yeah, go for it. No, well, yeah. Was if, if that opportunity... Not necessarily the fan show. Like if mm. if an opportunity ar- arose to go back to the to the BBC or to go back to Doctor Who mm. to work in some capacity, maybe in a way that you haven't worked before, um, in a role that you haven't done before, would would you go back to that or would you think like of like you said you you flew mm. too close to the sun. Do you want to put yourself there again, <laughs> yeah. or do you want to try something new? Like, is it a case where, you know, Doctor Who is done now? You want to mm. move on to new projects and and keep looking forward. I think um, that's a really interesting question. I think um, uh, it would really depend on what the opportunity is, and mm. um, so I would I would say no to presenting the fan show. Um, yeah. I might even say no to producing. Maybe I, I might say yes to producing the fan show, actually, if, if that was offered. Yeah. <clears throat> um, It'd be cool to it, have you back, like, behind the scenes. <laughs> I might, I, but then like, I don't know, because passing, as I say Passing that, on the baton yeah, to, to, yeah. The, to the new presenter and, yeah, you know, yeah. ha- that, that I, handing over maybe, for a year. Yeah. Maybe I mean I don't know. Maybe maybe I would, or, or you know, maybe it would be it would be too much. Maybe my my Twitter feed will fill with why are you why are you doing the fan show again? I don't yeah. know. We'll see. But um, I I I would I would be open to I would, I would rule out no presenting the fan show. I'd be open to producing the fan show or exec producing the fan. Just being 
bit you know consulted on it i would be i'd be i'd I'd really value that as an opportunity actually um being involved in i didn't i'd love to do a bit more writing i'd 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 definitely definitely do that um Mm -hmm. i think um i think you know coming on this podcast you know doing doctor who in small chunks for me is 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 good and it's healthy um yeah i think doctor who all the time which is what what it was especially when i was on five who fans as well it's like i go to work i do doctor who all day i go home i film doctor who videos yeah. and on the weekend i watch doctor who and it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's nice to just have a bit of variety in, in my work really yeah. um but, but work, as far as working at the bbc is concerned yeah like absolutely i'd go back in in, in some kind of different role on a different show or whatever like absolutely because because it it was a really fun place to work um you know ultimately I I left I left Doctor Who I didn't necessarily leave the BBC I didn't leave the people I didn't want to leave people but I needed to leave Doctor Who so um so I would I would be open to that too but yeah I'd be I'd be open to opportunities depending on what it is really yeah Mm. that's interesting and so just a quick sign because we we you mentioned it briefly before the the women who lived was that mm. done while you were still at the BBC or was it while you were leaving or was it after you left just in I, terms of the time scale yeah, I was um, that was uh I was working as a digital marketing manager that year so that yeah. was so that was that first series 11 year where you were yeah doing the marketing so we pitched it we pitched it at the end of 2017 and then oh sorry yeah we did yeah pitched it at the end of 2017 and it came out at the end of 20, 2018 and i my the, my role in, in in digital marketing was um all throughout 2018 basically um and and into 2019 the sort of per, first part of 2019 um so it did coincide with it but um and it was it's fine it was it was it was fine for me to do that because it's a um, BBC book. So it's kind of like, because yeah. I, I, I remember the question being ra- raised about whether it was a conflict of interest, but I, I believe um, other writers have worked at the BBC and written books as well outside. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And it's not, so it's, I, I, it I mean, was fine I, in the I, end. I imagine it's, it's, so it's like a, it, for anyone who doesn't know about the book, um, it's, it's uh, so it's like a reference book, isn't it, about um, women throughout the it's years kind on of, Doctor um, Who? Is that it, how, kind of how would you a, yeah. refer to it? It's yeah, it's kind of a reference book slash story book, basically. So, mm-hmm. um, so we've picked. There was a massive list of of women in Doctor Who, but we whittled it down to a short list, and it's all of the companions plus lots of other ones. And um, each story is quite short. It's about. 500 words per story um mm-hmm. uh really just summarizing um summarizing their life as we see on screen in doctor who um it's very much inspired by good night stories for rebel girls um yeah. it's kind of to be fair it's like a ripoff of that but <laughs> <laughs> it's um it's no it's 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 very much inspired by that and um so they're kind of bedtime stories um but i would say i would say suitable for any age i don't i wouldn't say that you have to be yeah uh a a, a youngster to enjoy them i think i think they're hope i'd like to think they're enjoyable for anyone mm-hmm. 
So it was a, it's quite it's a really it seems like a really nice project to to have worked on mm. to sort of bookend the like at the end of your your time working on Doctor Who to have that book there yeah. that's yeah. like it obviously it's great to you know celebrate the incredible women throughout all of the years of Doctor Who because it's it's amazing how many strong incredible female characters we've had um dating all the way back to the 60s mm. and it's so cool to celebrate that um so it must have been a a, a cool would would you see it as like a like a send off like a like a nice little bookend to the to, to your time like... on doctor who I haven't actually thought of it that way, um, but because uh, it, it didn't feel like that at the time, it didn't feel like an ending. It just, yeah. it just felt like a, 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 you know, another Doctor Who project I was doing. But looking back, yeah, it is the last big Doctor Who thing I did, apart from, yeah. apart from um, series eleven. So, so yes, it is lovely. And actually, to this day, um, even just this Christmas, I had a couple of messages on Instagram. People had, had opened a copy of it for Christmas and yeah. said lovely things about it. So that must be a so cool I think that's, feeling. That's particularly, yeah, no, it's it's yeah. particularly touching. Actually, it's um, it's really special. Um, you know that people are still are still enjoying it and and still receiving it as a yeah. as a gift. Um, but yes, um, it, really cool to be able to do that and um. Uh, and and working with Simon was, I'd worked with Simon before on Doctor Who Paper Dolls, but he is just like mm-hmm. a brain box. Like he's just he knows everything, and he's like he's got this like encyclopedic knowledge of Doctor Who. Yeah, and he is I just like the lovely. Like he is just like the loveliest as well. He was just yeah. he was. There were a few times where I was just like so stuck in terms of how to finish, a, you know, one of the stories, and I, I yeah. he he was so helpful. I actually learned quite a lot from him. Um, mm-hmm. and and just to 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 cap it off really i mean mm. as, aside from from doctor who which is not words you hear a lot on this podcast i must say uh, away from doctor who obviously you you've you that time of your life ended and you you've moved on and one thing that i wanted to speak to you about because i've recently started listening to it is from care to wear which is mm. your podcast, which yeah. is fantastic, I must say. Oh, and thank you. I love it. And um, for for anyone at home who doesn't know about the project, because of you know, it's 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 something completely different to you know what what you've done in terms of Doctor Who, mm. and it's separate from that. But it's really good. So tell everyone at home, <laughs> I, you know, you'll describe it way better than I ever would. Yeah, so sure. No, 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 it's fine. What, it, what it's about. Sure. Um, yeah. So so I started a podcast um, uh, last end of last year um, and uh, it's called From Care to Wear. And um, for those who, who don't know, I grew up in foster care um, and that's something I didn't really talk about at all when I was on the fan show. And mm-hmm. it's an area of my life that I really haven't talked about very much publicly. And um, I wanted to, I wanted a project that I could do that wasn't Doctor Who related or, or really wasn't related to any of my kind of key hobbies. Um, yeah. And over the summer, um, I mean, this year, this, you know, well, last year, it's it's obviously it's been um you know a, a bit of a an emotional roller coaster for a lot mm. of people and i yeah, think it's, it's really yeah. 
it's really yeah and it really it, it certainly for me it, it it makes you think about things like family and what family means to you and you know you're you're at home a lot and it makes you it also just gives you a lot of time to think and mull over things and and I I found myself thinking about that and but also podcast ideas and I thought well maybe that would be a cool thing to focus on and actually I wanted to do something in the kind of in that world anyway whether mm -hmm. it be volunteering or working with a charity and I had actually done some workshops with um, a charity called Become in the past and I really enjoyed that so so I got the ball rolling and essentially it's um, conversations with inspirational uh, people who have also been through the care system um, and talking about their journey through the care system um, people who have uh, inspired them yeah. things that they've they found useful things that also things that that were difficult but really it's um it's quite quite try to keep it quite positive it's not mm -hmm. supposed to be here is here is a really tragic story like it's supposed to be look at all of these amazing inspirational people um we've got uh, a medal winning olympic athlete we've got a award winning winning um novelist we've got a um a rapper who's um performed at glastonbury like we've got all of these amazing people yeah. and it's really just to shine a spotlight on people who have experienced the care system to um uh as a kind of counter to um some of the negativity you see online the negative the kind of mm -hmm. narrative ar around care leavers not succeeding and not kind of um uh having bad outcomes basically um yeah. so that's it in a nutshell. So series one um, is done. It's out there. It's all, all the podcast platforms. So you just just Spotify, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, um, mm -hmm. and um, I'm I'll be starting work on series two soon, um, and that'll be out at some point this year. Maybe spring. Hopefully, we'll see. Exciting. See how busy things are. Well, yeah. it's it it really is great. And if if you're ever feeling like you need a pep talk. Just listen to Chris Akabusi because the energy of that man is like mm. it you'll you'll feel like you could just run through walls um when you listen to it. It's great. Um but yeah, because uh, it, it it's so interesting to listen to as well. Um just someone like me who is completely naive when it when it comes to mm. the care system. I, I know next to nothing about the care system and uh, things like that and like people of a, a a certain age like myself my only experience of the care system is like watching Tracy Baker as a kid and that's pretty much all I know um of the care system so it is it's really cool to to hear genuine stories um and really like you said positive stories about it um mm. so yeah everyone at home should definitely check it out so we are coming to the end of the show but very quickly before we leave we've got the corridor of fame have you ever been limited by who you were before one day i shall come back yes i shall come back our lives are different to anybody else's that's the exciting thing yeah. I have the right. And some people, small, beautiful events is what life is all about. It's an anniversary compared to us. Ten million years of absolute power. That's what it takes to make me really powerful.
every great decision being from the prince. Like a huge boulder dropped in a lake. When it was a child, this dream that made you a doctor. He dreamt you could no more. Crystal, you know the rules. Corridor of Fame, it's a hall of fame, essentially, for the wonderful people who work in and around Doctor Who. All of the Doctors are in, but anyone else is on the table. So who would you like to submit to the Corridor of Fame? So uh, it sounds like showrunners are up for grabs, and I think um, whilst I'm, I'm tempted to be original and pick someone someone else i i feel like i i couldn't come on this podcast and not um mention russell t davis which um <sighs> we probably wouldn't be here talking today if russell didn't bring we back wouldn't to no 2005 unless someone else might have done and and you know mm-hmm. maybe in a parallel world someone someone else did but um he he brought it back and he did a fantastic job with it and mm-hmm. um a big fan of all of his um other stuff as well um yes. and he's just a lovely 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 person and yes, a big inspiration um, um yeah what an absolute legend russell c davies is he is absolutely phenomenal and yeah there, there's not really much more you can say about russell t davies <laughs> is there that hasn't already been said just oh thank you so much for bringing dr hay back um and just before we go one mm-hmm. last question in a sentence, what does Doctor Who mean to you? Oh, goodness. Uh, in a sentence? Yeah. It, it doesn't have to be exactly a sentence if you need a little bit longer. I can give you a bit of leeway there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what does it mean to me? Um, a, a big part of it is, is friendship and fun, um, mm-hmm. I think, and a sense of belonging and community. Um and, and magic and um, optimism as well. Yeah. I mean, I know that's not sentence. That's just lots of words. But no, those, those are the, the kind of... But they're, they're the words that fit, the aren't of, they? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Well, it has been absolutely lovely to, to speak to you. Um, plug away. Obviously, we, we've spoken about the podcast um, from Care to Wear. It's wherever you can get your podcasts. Um, but plug, yeah, wherever... <laughs> plug where away. can people find you? What do, what do people... Where can people find your things? Um, yeah, you can find me on um, Twitter, which is just like my name, Crystal D, and Instagram, uh, Crystal D Official. And um, you can find, obviously, podcasts is everywhere. I also have a website, which is just my name, uh, crystalD.co.uk. Happy days. Happy days. And you can find us on Twitter at Who Knew Podcast, on Instagram at Who Knew DW Pod. You can email us at who knew dwpod at gmail.com and we're on all the podcast things as well um well i hope you enjoyed this and thank you again crystal for coming on thank you thank you bye bye everyone
Thank you for listening to Who Knew, a Doctor Who podcast. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts for new episodes every week. And if you can leave us a review, it would really help us out. And a big thank you to the Sononauts for providing cover of the Doctor Who theme as the theme tune for the podcast. Thank you.